Thank you for listening to the I Am Podcast. The following is a person discussing the memories and feelings that make up their experience. It is solely from their point of view. And now, here's part two with Laith. I hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel like I have like these, these, I have so, so many things that, yeah. so many points that, um, a lot of things that have happened, you know, especially in these last five years of my affirmation and um, really just accepting, it's really just being okay. And like you were saying, you know, it's kind of like having your best friend and trying to be this, you know, be intimate or be whatever with them. Um, and I did, I did those things, but, and I, I did have a love for them and it was more of that camaraderie type of thing, mm-hmm. which mine with my first husband has actually been, it, it was so short and there were so many hurtful things that happened that it was easy for me to kind of squash. Mm-hmm. But my relationship most recently has been one of the harder things for me to, to process and go through. Um, it went on a lot longer, right? It mm. did, but you know, you know, I don't think he was ever a person that really should have been married. He's very much of a, you know, we're both kind of lone wolf type of people. Mm. And so, headstrong, lone wolves. And, you know, we when we work together, we work together great. We're a great team. But just too much, almost even to say alike in my way of thinking about how something should be done or not be done. And uh, so when he had left and we came back to speaking terms, we had this understanding that, you know, I, had, I was working a really great job and I had quit my job because he was a, he was a stay-at-home parent. Uh, he was going to school also, but he was stay-at-home during the day. Uh, we needed help with finances, and so I, I took a job and I had a really great job that would have taken care of me forever. And I worked it for probably seven months, and he was really having a difficult time being a stay-at-home dad. So I ended up quitting my job and being home with the kids. So three months later, when he decided to leave, I had nothing, nothing and three kids to take care of. Um, I didn't even know he was leaving. It was very much of a surprise. So being left with nothing, he we came back to these terms within the first couple of weeks, and he had said that he would continue to help out as long as I took care of the kids. And so that's what I did. And so for the course of six years, six and a half, almost seven years, I have been a stay-at-home parent, taking care of the kids, doing my end of the responsibility. You know, and he would see the kids. I think if I were to add up all the times that he has seen the kids, it wouldn't even add up to a year in the six and a half years that he's been gone. So my kids have not seen them him very often. And then uh, he, well... In April, I decided to go see my grandfather because he was very ill. So I took all the kids on a trip to Arizona. We spent time with my grandpa, and then we were gone for a couple of weeks. We took a long, we drove out there, and we took the long way home, took him to the Grand Canyon with him. And uh, when I had gotten back, I was in a a house that was costing me almost two grand a month. And since my relationship with when I was engaged, it had kind of... uh, we were no longer together, and she ended up leaving. So all of this fell on me, and it was really getting harder and harder to keep up with. Obviously, two grand is a lot of money, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. why did I do that for six years? <laughs> I could have had a really great house. But he, when I returned, I, you know, I was having a hard time walking away from the house because I had put so much work into it. When I got back, I finally said, you know what? I've been away from this for two, and a half, like two weeks. I feel like I'm okay to walk away. So I decided I was going to move out of that I was going to go back to Arizona, spend a little more time with my grandpa, and I was going to rent a, an apartment out there month to month instead of doing a hotel room that would have cost me an arm yeah. when I could do it way cheaper just renting month to month. And we would have had more room and more space or whatever. 
so I had all this stuff planned, and um, I had one more. I had a sh- I'm a performer, so I had one more show obligation that I needed to fulfill at the end of June, and I wanted to obviously see through my commitment. Was that this year? This year. Oh, okay. yes, it was just recently in June. And so I said, you know, instead of paying the two grand, let's hurry up and get out and take that two grand and put it towards, you know, a lot of fun other things. I could save Mm -hmm. myself a whole heap of money right now by not being here. So I ended up letting the landlord know that I was going to be moving out and he wanted to charge me another two grand for, because I was going to be there for two days into the month. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not paying two grand for two days. In this house, um, so essentially ended up having to get out much quicker than I than I had anticipated, and then we ended up going camping for two weeks to fulfill this obligation, so that I wasn't like accruing this humongous fee. And while I was camping, I had we went to go pick up my son, my oldest, from his dad, and I had. He was making threats prior to that he wasn't going to let me take him. So I said, well, I, I'm still going to be there to pick him up in my scheduled parenting time. And I had showed up. I had to have two police officers escort me. And I found out they had filed an ex parte against me, which kept me from seeing my son for two and a half months, which I did not know at the time would be that long. So this is your second husband? It was my first. It, oh, your first my husband? My oldest dad. Okay. So we drove away empty-handed. And then... Three days after that, I was... Did you have joint custody or was We it? had... So I had sole physical custody of my son until he was 13. Okay. And in December of 2016, I lost custody as I had started transitioning. Um, and the statement was... Uh, what the referee had said was that he, as an experienced referee, he could not understand or wrap his mind around such a thing. Therefore, a 14-year-old would not be able to as well. So not for any other reason other than that fact alone. And they said that he was he was struggling in math in his class. And because of that fact as well, that it must be due to my change. So I lost custody. That, that just sounds like such a pile of bullshit yep. and ignorance. Yeah, it was. I, I can't. Very much. Can't even fathom. And I, you know, as I, and, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't afford an attorney. And a lot of the, you know, retaining fees that they were asking were five grand or more and things like that. And I, I didn't have that just lying around at the time. So I've represented myself through my case with, with uh, his dad since day one. Hmm. I, um, I had an attorney one time and he was so outrageous that I never actually had an attorney after that. I was like, oh my gosh, I could do a better job. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know all the legalities. You know, I've done my best to educate myself, but I am not an attorney. And so I don't know exactly yeah. what I'm doing all the time. So when I saw all this stuff, you know, there was so much emotion that was going into it. One, because I, w- I had spent so much time, I had to cross-examine my son and try to remain neutral. I don't even know how you do that. I had to cross-examine his dad and not allow that anger and all of that to come out. Right. You know, ask the right questions, the right way, all of this stuff. And then I started going into my kids and thinking about, you know, I, I wanted to object. I wanted to file motions against all this stuff. And one, I didn't have the money to do all of it. And two, I was really starting to think about how much I want my kids poked and prodded at and being in this litigation process being asked all these questions because some of the questions they were asking like one of the questions they asked his attorney was things about asking a 13 year old kid about if he knew what a dildo was and things like that which to me i don't think you should be asking a 13 year old kid that you know and yeah. and um and so it was like stuff like that like they were being exposed to things that i don't have my kids in on a regular basis so when that ruling came out i said you know what i'm going to accept it i'm going to swallow this big pill and, you know, maybe, you know, he's going to be 14 years old. He had just turned 14. I said, maybe, you know, this will be a good time. Because his dad never wanted anything to do with him when he was younger. And now okay. that he's old enough to go fishing and hunting and do all this fun stuff, well, now we want to take an interest. So I said, you know, maybe this is a good time. He's coming into being a young man. You know, maybe this will be a good time that they could get together. And I'll just swallow it. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And then when this came back around this time, and obviously I had 
to have I look much different now than I did then. And this came about three days after we had gotten back. I uh, was we were at the tent and we're all sleeping, and I got a little tap 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 on my tent uh, from DHS. Someone had called CPS on us saying that we, um, my kids weren't, uh, weren't clothed, they had no food, there was no water, no electric, there was nothing, they had nothing. And so we, she had sat down and we were talking and she had asked me at the time if I knew why anybody would uh, want to do this or why they would be making these whatever. And I had told her about the ex parte that was just filed and I felt like it was just a paper trail. And she's like, well, it's obvious, you know. I mean, I even had a site that had electricity in it. Hmm. So it was like, obviously, people, whoever had made this remark was looking for something more. Well, a few days later, I was, my oldest, my two littles dad, excuse me, had called and asked if he could take the kids to his dad's for Father's Day. And last year, he did the same thing, and I said, sure, absolutely. And, um, and again, he was the, we had such a good relationship when he would come up, he would even stay at my house. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he was providing, he was doing everything. I, I, we cooked together, we ate together, and even though I'm seeing other people, he's seeing other people, you know, he came and stayed at my house. Mm-hmm. I always felt like, you know, in keeping that door open for, I would much rather, I guess, see him come into my kid's environment, be around all of their things, than for them to go in some motel room for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, where he gets to come and see what they're all about. You know, they hang out all day, all night. And, um, you know, him and my girlfriend, they got along really great. It was great. We had the holidays together, you know, and it was just like an open... I mean, we, we were like, I don't want to say an open family, but it was like, we just got along. Friends, yeah. And um, he took the kids and we had... You know, he was acting kind of funny and strange, and I could tell when I had mentioned him to him that CPS had been called, he didn't have really much of a reaction, so that kind of concerned me. And then he was acting funny on the phone, and um, and then Monday rolled around, he was supposed to return him to me, and he never spoke to me all weekend long. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And I had received a message from his, from an attorney a half an hour after they were supposed to be back home, saying that, you know, she was so-and-so, she, you know, she was his attorney, that she was, uh, he was filing for a divorce and full custody of the kids. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. And, of course, obviously divorce was not really the issue, but when you don't know your kids very well and your kids are no longer there uh, and they wouldn't give me an address as to where he was, saying that their kids were downstate, um, they I had no idea. I had no idea where my kids were. So for a whole week, you know, he just up and took them. And um, so... Is that something where you... I mean, it's obviously too late, but that, like, it's a kidnapping? It is It is, is, it is it? parental... Well, <laughs> if you were to ask most officers, because I did, I have a buddy of mine that I, I actually work out with that is a police officer, and I, I he was the first person I called up. I was like, what can I do legally? And number one, because we were still married, he still had total legal rights to the kids just as much as I did. Okay. There was no stipulation. We never had anything legal right. to say, hey, you have them this time or whatever. So he had legally rights okay. to do that. But if you're asking, you know, if you were to ask people's opinions about it, like not knowing your kids, barely even seeing them, and then you just up and take off with them, they have no idea where they're going. You coerce them to go with you by offering to take them to a zoo. Mm-hmm. And then you bypass the zoo, and then the kids become afraid. Right. And there's a problem with that. Yeah. And um, so he had taken them, and we he wouldn't talk to me for uh, the first couple of days. So I, I ended up getting a hold of the kids. They had no idea where they were. Uh, they were f- so frightened. You know, my son was just sobbing, saying, "I want to go home. Please come pick me up." And they couldn't find an address. They were look, you know, looking in the house. So. I ended up being able to talk to them by FaceTime, and we would record. My girlfriend was recording because I wanted this to all be seen, what Mm -hmm. was happening with them. And just by them saying, oh, we were, you know, by dad's work, and we're we're turning now, and and so I was just listening, like, 
trying to like detective, you know, mm-hmm. put pieces together and, and landmarks that they were giving me that they were calling out, oh, I got woke up by a train last night. And so we drove down there, my girlfriend and I drove down there and spent all night and all day, we spent the whole night going up and down roads, riding down every road we had been up and down, um, just looking for, you know, his vehicle, looking, you know, for signs. We heard a train come through, so we were following, you know, just all these landmarks. And then we had spent the whole day. The next day, it was probably about 2 o'clock. We went to an Art on the Lake uh, festival thing. And I, I said, you know, I said, i got to go to the bathroom. Let's just take a break. Let's just kind of, you know, walk around and get our, stretch our legs. And we had... Uh, our youngest, and uh, I said, let's let her get out and walk around. Let's just see what we can see. So we got out, and I come around the corner, and I almost bumped into him. And so, uh, like, I quickly retreated because I was, you know, I didn't want him to see me, and I didn't want it to become this big blowout. I didn't want it to become, like, a fight, you know. I spent probably the next 15 minutes with her recording at what was the best avenue to do this without completely traumatizing the kids but knowing full well that I had just as much right to I could literally pick them up and walk away with them and be just fine and um and so that's what I did I like assessed the situation waited till their backs returned I walked up and gave my son a hug and he hugged me back and Autumn even hugged me and I picked them up and I turned around and walked away and then I ended up getting chased down by him and his friends and uh and it it just we got to the car and you know they were crying and freaked out by being chased and and then the, his friends had pinned me between my cars. So they thought I was going to get beat up. So, you know, that was really traumatizing for them. And then we drove straight straight back up. I spent the next two and a half weeks in hiding to keep from him finding us and just taking off with them until, because there was a court hearing that was set. Mm-hmm. So, so we were, you know, we spent a lot of time. My mom, we were not friends. I had blocked him, obviously, on social medias and stuff. And my mom was friends with him, and he had his location services on. So mm-hmm. she was able to see when he was coming and would keep us informed, you know, so that we were, because we were watching our backs. Like, I didn't know if his friends were going to come and do something or if he was going to come and do something. So we spent a lot of riding all over the UP just staying wherever we you know campgrounds and we had go bags my mama calls at five in the morning and we were jumping in the car with all the kids it was it was really uh-huh. tumultuous that um, was just this past summer yeah just okay. uh yeah all of july all of july the whole fourth of july we were in hiding and uh and then we had the hearing on the 20th and he had also filed an ex parte and that was one of the reasons why he was so he was trying to have police police come and serve us with the ex parte and I was told that as long as I'm not served with it I'm not breaking any laws so we just avoided being served so as long as I wasn't home I was fine and so that's what I did we went and we stayed with you know my girlfriend's uh, family and spent time on boats and like just as far away as we could and the kids you know they would be looking over their shoulders left and right and and finally, I'd be like, okay, your dad's on his way back down state. And they were like, oh, this means that we can actually go shopping and not, you know, worry that we're going to get yeah. snatched. You know, the mailman would come and knock on the door, and they would go in hiding because they were terrified. And it was it was really terrible. So I ended up having to put them in counseling for it. And that has, seemed, that has been a really therapeutic thing for them. They really come out of the other side of that very well. But now, you know, so now we have a, a custody thing. I, I, he filed an ex parte. I was served the day that I went to the hearing, very unprofessionally by his attorney, which was thrown at me uh, with no introduction, just before we went to the courtroom. And immediately the judge, you know, when I explained to her what my thoughts were as to why this is happening, which was obviously my change, and based on the paperwork. You know, there were things in the paperwork, like, which he piggybacked off of, my oldest's ex parte, and there were like oh, 54 okay. bullet points. Oh, so then, <laughs> in my two littles, he, his dad, or their dad, excuse me, also did the same thing with a bunch of bullet points about how my, I no longer resemble my appearance. I weigh 200 pounds, which I don't, but and I weigh. You clearly don't. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I weigh 200 pounds, and without a doubt, the 200 pound stature, or the stature of a 200 pound construction crew man. And I thought to myself, this is what we're arguing about is that, you know, so construction crew men can't have kids right. or, or, not, or not fit to be parents, that I was exposing them to IV drug use because I take testosterone, which is prescribed to me. 
and saying that I, you know, that I, and first of all, let's clarify that, you know, IV, what IV drug use is, you know, the difference between testosterone is it's injected into the muscle, not an IV. Right. Not like I, you know, they made it sound like I'm shooting up, I'm doing all of these, tor- tor- you know, terrible things. And so just like strung this out to make me out to be this like completely terrible person. All based on what I look like. Um, that my son's, you know, my son's a quarterback on his football team. And um, that in his, you know, when I come to his games, that he throws zero for zero passes. Oh, and when I'm there, or when I'm not there, you know, he he's making he's the, the left and right. right. And um, and I'm like, it's funny because I have video of him setting school records while I'm there, watching him run track. You know, while he's you know taking over the football team and and doing amazing things. I'm videotaping it and then taking pictures with him afterwards. And somehow I'm, I'm a social detriment to him. Right. And then on more than one occasion, he's had to deny that I'm his parent when, they're, when people say, who is that man that you're sitting next to? He doesn't know who it is. And, you know, so it was stuff like this that was just poured out into this. But it kept me from seeing my son for two and a half months, and, um, which is I've never been away from him for that long. You know, saying that I'm not taking my parenting seriously and, uh, you know, this is like a selfish thing. And so all summer long I've been fighting that. And that is in Mackinac County. And then that's with my oldest. And then my youngest is, is downstate. So then I'm traveling okay. to both these places. You know, she had, she looked at me, the, the judge downstate when I had gone in she had looked at me and she said well I'll tell you this you know she's like you will not find that in my courtroom that type of prejudice or you know if that is the case she's like so she totally said you can rip that up that ex parte which was a really good feeling for me but (laughs) um, and I ended up putting sole physical custody of my two littles uh, and I'm still working on my case with my oldest it's been a very more complex case I can't afford you know and all these attorneys you know because they're so far away you know, there's like one guy's like, yep, seven grand. And I'm like, that's just for one case. You know, yeah. I'm like, I don't have the money to do that. So again, doing it myself, both ends, has been a very huge struggle. You know, and some of it has come calmed down over the summer, but you know, like I have another hearing coming up the 26th. I'll be traveling back downstate. You know, this parenting time schedule, we're trying, now that there's a, now we have a parenting time schedule in place. Okay. But, you know, I lost my best friend through all of it. I don't know why. I don't know why you just up and flip the switch like that, but... The only thing I can think of is stupid macho embarrassment. Yeah. Of some know. kind, you know, that yeah. your transition somehow... Well, you know, he's been through it all. Feel. He's been through my transition. You know, not to say that he was that he loves it by any Mm -hmm. means, that it hasn't been difficult for him, because I absolutely believe that. But somehow, you know, he's constantly said, you know, I just love you for you and and who you are. You know, he's coming to accept that. And we've, you know, so that Friday, I love you, I can't wait to see you, love you too. And then when she had already filed for all this stuff, yeah. And then to have that, I, I don't know what that is, but right. um, it has been a very difficult thing to to overcome. And, you know, and I, I perform, as I do drag sometimes. That was actually how I started transitioning. Okay. It was kind of like the platform for me, you know, male impersonation kind of a thing. And it <laughs> felt, I was like, this is the most authentic me yeah. that I could be. <laughs> I'm like... What you get is what you see. You know, like, this is really me. Yeah. And um, That's what I wanted to ask. The, the part where you decided, okay, I'm going to transition or I'm going to come out and then, yeah, start to transition. Like, what was that feeling like? Was it just an enormous weight off? Or oh, my was gosh, it, yes. Like, um, well, <laughs> so it started in drag. So I had gone to my first drag show here in, in town. And... I had one of the queens come up to me afterwards and like, you should have been up there dancing. Like, you would, you should totally do this. You can dance and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, what do I got to do? And they're like, you just slap some facial hair on and you go out there and capture the audience, whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's do this. So, so I, I, you know, I tried to look on YouTube and see what it's all about or whatever because I'd never been to anything like that before in my life. Uh, so... 
I started kind of researching it and I went into it and I started, I performed and I love to dance. So I've done some performances through dance and I do mm-hmm. the, you know, the Halloween spectacle and stuff like that. So I went out there and, and performed and I started like getting this following, you know? And so I was like, okay, I don't really know what this is about, but okay. And, and then the more, like the more I started thinking about how I can perform and put my, like, I basically I was just kind of putting myself into this. So it was like, mm. I was dressing up and, you know, wearing men's clothing, which felt great. Yeah. And I was like, this, I feel like I actually can wear this and not be like, you know, fat man in a little coat kind of thing. Cause that's what I always felt like putting on yeah. these little tiny shirts. And so I just started you know, dressing this way and like looking up different things and facial hairs and whatever. And I'd go out there and, and dance. And then I started feeling like more and more that it was just, I started dressing like that outside. So I started, okay. I wasn't necessarily even buying clothes or costumes, if you will, mm. for this. I was literally bringing my home wardrobe. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, this is, you know, and then it just started kind of feeling more and more. Like it was, I was no longer, like I wasn't acting on the stage. I was really just able to pour it out. And you know, when I had come out and was with my fiance at the time, you know, it was more like we were, they had put the term lesbian because everyone needs labels, you know, so it was like, you're lesbians kind of thing. But again, it rubbed me wrong. So coming out, I never once told anybody, hey, I think that I might be transgendered. I think I'm gonna start transitioning. I never did that. Hmm. I literally dressed masculine and so, People at the time would probably say that it was more gender fluid or whatever. And to be honest with you, I don't even know all the terminology nowadays. That's true. (laughs) um, Well, I think everybody's experience has to be different, right? Yeah. So for me, it was just kind of like, you know, I still still struggled with what to do with my face and like hair and I don't even know how I'm supposed to, you know. And so I just more and more started finding what felt good and not worrying about what other people thought about it and not a lot of people really you know not a lot of people were like oh my gosh this is I can't believe that you're doing this you know it was just kind of I did it slowly mm-hmm. and then I started working out I had this you know every time I looked in the mirror I just didn't feel I didn't you know I didn't see what I felt okay so I started working out and uh, I met this guy and he's a much older he was much older than I am I don't say much older but um, he's probably 55 and um a bodybuilder he's amazing got an amazing physique and i i kept you know looking at him in the gym thinking to myself i really want to talk to him i really want to you know need some tips or some pointers or whatever because i was going about it all wrong and uh so i i introduced myself and just said hey you know i just was wondering you know if you have any ideas on like food or you know how this works or like how do you get to this place that you're at and you know he had done shows or whatever and so he was like, yeah, you, you know, he started talking to me about it. And of course, I was in the more female form, obviously, then. We started talking, and he kind of, huh, we became really good friends. And um, the more that I worked out and he shifted my mind into thinking, the more I started seeing results in myself and feeling more comfortable with myself. That, And I didn't really know how to go about doing like testosterone or like how do you and it was like how do you get into how do how do people transition i have never spoken to anybody about it i didn't have friends i knew some people but i never had conversation with them hmm. so i was like i don't even know how you get into that kind of thing i actually had called up one of the people that i knew that was transgendered and i said so tell me about this how this works and then you were know, talking about going to counseling and how you you know seek a counselor out and uh, and then you get referred to a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And so I started doing that and going on testosterone and started seeing the results within my body and feeling like, you know, the first, and, and I really had a hard time, like with facial hair when it first came in, that it was like, you know, my dad at the time, I, of course, I never said anything to him because when I had already told him about, you know, me liking women, that it was like, our relationship really fell off. Okay. 
and then periodically he would see me. I'd be, we went, I went from talking to him every day to seeing him only on my kids' birthday. Huh. So that was really difficult for me. And it probably it still is very difficult for me. Is that still the case? It is, yeah. I haven't, actually, I haven't spoken to my dad or my brother. I haven't spoken to, oh, it's been probably, when was Levi's birthday? March? March was Levi's birthday. Uh, it was probably the last time that I spoke to him. And I, prior to this past UP, was that Carnival or whatever it is? Was it Festival? Uh, fair. Okay. UP Fair. Yeah. I bumped into my brother there, but prior to that, I hadn't seen him in about a year and a half. And it's always, you know, my brother and I were like this back then, and uh, so it's really difficult for me to see them in in passing. Um, I've seen my sister a little bit more, only by virtue of where she lives, and I've tried to make an attempt with her, but none of them obviously agree with with who I am, so they don't really talk to me. Mm-hmm. About it, and when it is, it's really. Have they just not given you a chance, like to yeah. to hear? Yeah, your I mean, my my dad or? did one day. He 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 surprised me and stopped at my house. And when I was talking about the change of facial hair, my dad had not seen me. And when I first started growing in, you know, I would sit and talk to him, you know, and 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 hope that he didn't see like <laughs> the few hair that was growing <laughs> in. And then my I had this you know, kind of grown in. He came to, he had, it was a birthday. And my dad's quintessential thing is, you know, we go to to eat Chinese food and a movie. And so we blow into Chinese food because it's quick, it's fast, it's filling, and he doesn't get it where he's at. So we blow in, we eat Chinese food, and then we go to a movie because we don't have to talk. That's always been my my take on it, should I say. Because, you know, we can say we spend quality time but not really have conversation. Yeah. So we, we do that. So he had, I had seen him, and I know that he I contemplated whether or not to shave it off. And I, I thought to myself, if I have to shave this off and I feel like I'm ashamed of this and I have no business doing what I'm doing, because I'm really not ashamed of it, okay. but because I was afraid of what he would think or I didn't want to hear it kind of a thing, I contemplated it. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do this. And I saw him and it was one of those, like, but I, you know, I kept my head down when I ate. I didn't really look at him. I just, you know, and I knew that he hardly said two words to me, spoke to the kids. And then he busted in on me one day at the house and asked me what I was doing with myself. And so I, I was like, well, what do you mean, kind of a thing. And he was like, oh, this, like, what's all this? <laughs> and so I explained to him what I felt and that, I said, you know, if you were to ask me, I don't feel, he's like, so you don't feel like a lesbian? And I said, no. He's like, well, what do you feel like? I said, if I were to give you my honest, I said, I feel like a straight man. That's what I feel like. I don't think like a lesbian. I don't, I, or what? I don't even know how they're supposed to think. But like, what I feel is not that. I said, but you know, I like women. I don't like men. I don't think of them in any way or shape or form. But I also don't feel comfortable even dressing female. I don't feel, you know, that's just. I feel like a straight man, and um, and you know, of course, he he really could not understand it. And he works in the medical field, so. You know, I had asked him this question. I said, if you had a child that was born with both male and female sexual organs, mm-hmm. I said, what would you tell them? What would you tell them? Who would you tell them to love? Who would you tell them that it's okay? To, you know, he goes, well, I guess I would go with whatever works. I said, what if they both work? So what if you could, you know, if you had a penis, you could pee out of it, but you still had a uterus that you could actually bear children? Because mm-hmm. it has been known to happen. Like, it has, it's, not, it's not unheard of. Right. I said, what, what then? And I, I said, and as they're growing up and they're trying to figure out what they feel or don't feel and what works for them or doesn't work for them or what they tend to flock towards, you know, I, I don't think that we have these feelings and stuff all for, for nothing or these emotions or these, these patterns of thinking, um, you know, but then, you know, he tries to, he definitely tries to trip me up with things well, like, you know, well, child rapists, they think that they, they're meant to be with kids. You know, so how do you, you know, justify what your feelings? And I'm like, we're talking about, like, non-harmful. You know, I'm not talking yeah. about, like, committing harmful, <laughs> heinous acts of whatever. But they do believe, my dad is, does believe this is a heinous act. Right. So, so I'm always constantly up against that with them as far as who I am and what, 
what you know versus God versus versus this and um, and I still struggle with the Bible and what those things say because you know my dad will break it down all the time and in these certain terms and I say yeah but let's read the before and after because there's so much more to the before and after than this one excerpt that takes that context into something completely different like temple idolatry and all that stuff which is not what I'm doing so I'm constantly in that struggle so as far as giving me an opportunity to talk about my situation I had a brief conversation with my dad and after that I didn't hear from him for quite some time Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard from him once kid's birthday and then I haven't heard from him since then so I used to talk to him every day I used to bounce ideas off of him I used to you know but unhealthily so too in some level and so I, I kind of had to make the choice of, I mean, it's still, there's times I can't even look at my dad. Like, I see him, and I just instantly get a lump in my throat. I mean, he's still my dad, and I still have great respect for him. But there's, there's so much, too, that I have learned as an adult that I've come to, like, respect even within myself and things that it's like, you know, I wish sometimes that we could just agree to disagree on some things sometimes, and mm. not measure, you know, constantly say, well, I can't, like, I no longer know you. I'm still right. the same person. Yeah, you know, it'd be like, you know, you don't see someone for a long time and they've aged. Well, the the problem isn't I no longer know you. And at least in my thought in this situation, it's I don't want to get to know who you are now. Right, right. Which, yeah. I don't know which one's worse. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've been told a lot of the times, like, we we no longer know who you are. And it's like, I, I am the same, my personality is still the same. I'm probably a little more, um, I have probably a little more confidence about myself now than I did prior. Yeah. I probably stand my ground a little bit harder than I did before. I think some of that has come with maturity and age yeah. and having kids. And just being comfortable in yeah. who you are now. But as far as who I am, I yeah. am still the same person that I was. I have a preference I like a certain thing just as you have the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may look different, but we all tend to look different eventually or whatever. Or why do you wear that shirt? Why do you like flannel so much? You know, <laughs> why, do you, like, why is that yeah. all you wear, Dad, is flannel shirts? Like, why don't you wear cologne? Why don't you do this? Because you don't want to. That's yeah. your choice. No, other people like to do certain things. I, I, and I get so frustrated in the this, why are we constantly picking people apart and... and trying to change them into what we want them to be all the time and um you know i've even had to learn that myself and even when dealing with my own kids and you know and then so even when i like saw my brother and he asked me what i'm up to and i i like i said i do drag but i have kind of taken it into a little bit more i'm trying to like expand it a little bit more into some things and it's become i perform i had performed for the university um a couple of times here and then uh, in Houghton, and so we do these large shows that appeal to a lot this this mm. vast genre of people, and I have really come to find that this craft, if you will, is uh, is not just an entertaining platform. While it is very much that, I have learned that it has reached a lot of young people. Mm. You know, I have so many young kids come up to me and say, "Oh my!" You know, I had this girl this last show come up to me just sobbing. They just changed her life. It changed, you know, and she's just reaching out and you know need someone to talk to even and it's like this pivotal moment for these young people and um and so it's become very much that for me and like you know talk about interesting people or you find these stories i'm so interested in people's stories and and their struggles in life and where they've come from and, and what they're going through and mine is just a small story you know but i shared it on stage and i i poured it out in dance I made a video about all these things that were happening throughout the summer, and um, and I t- I've been taking this drag kind of a little bit further. And so when he asked me, you know, what are you doing? What are you up to? I, I have to say, you know, I tell him these things like, oh, you know, and then he, and your kids are a part of this. Yeah, my kids have actually performed with me in drag because it's not just this heinous. Yes, now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are some crass and there are some things, but. The crew of people that I have had been blessed to perform with mm-hmm. has been very family oriented, and I'm trying to bring something different to this. I'm one of the few that has kids, probably yeah. like the only that has kids, and so I want my kids to see 
you know, it is a performance and it is, you know, but I'm literally, I'm not slapping facial hair on anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm literally going out there being myself and I'm dancing yeah. and pouring and I do different types of dance or, you know, or dress up as like Beauty and the Beast or something, <laughs> which is what I'll be doing here soon. Um, but, you know, it's so varied and I'm like, it's not really what you think. And he's like, oh, it's exactly what I think. You know, so it's really these really harsh yeah. comments. And so we just don't get into that. Okay. It's very like, how's the weather? Yeah. Well, and for me, so drag growing up was the idea of, usually with drag you hear about men dressing up as women, right. which is, isn't that weird, mm-hmm. you know, is the idea. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, of course, it's much more, well, this is entertainment. This mm-hmm. is a performance. Mm-hmm. This is a yeah. personality. You know, this is creating a character. It's, it's not at all about necessarily well probably in most cases not about the sexuality even you know any of that it's it's about performance and entertainment it's illusion it really is no different than a magic like if you were to say magician and the illusions of all of this stuff the point of it is to see how well you can pull it off and i'm gonna tell you there is a vast difference i have seen amateur drag queens who look like men in makeup yeah (laughs) and i have seen queens who Honestly, I'd have a hard time telling the difference. And yeah. so I, half the time, I'm like, like, I'm blown away. I'm like, you are stunning. It is absolutely stunning. And the amount of time and energy and money mm-hmm. and costuming and the amount, like, they were like seven layers of tights in their nail lines or whatever. I mean, it, it is such, it is, it is an art. It really is. And when you look at it in that light, and you can look at anything in this, you can pick it apart or you can look at it in an artistic fashion yeah. and appreciate some of those things about it. And then it becomes that for you unless you're over here, you know, picking mm. it apart. And, um, and yes, uh, I, quite honestly, when I was younger, and I would probably have to say even 13, 14 years old, when I heard the word transgendered or like transvestite or anything like that of any kind, mm. I automatically associated it with AIDS. Okay. When I was younger. Yeah. I I don't know if it's just because of, again, how I grew up and, like, listening. Uh, it was movies at the time, you know. That's um, all um, that I considered it. Um, four years older than you. So, oh, okay. Um, not, you know, not terribly different. But, you know, so, yeah, late 80s, mm-hmm. 90s, all of that was, that was the portrayal. Right. TV, movies. Um, anybody that was that was trying to pull one over on somebody right you know was trying to be devious was trying to be you know a bad person or Mm -hmm. or something and that was very much the portrayal yeah and uh, yeah getting older like just thinking about it for a second Mm -hmm. of course that's not true Mm -hmm. right well (laughs) and that's why i'm like as i've gotten older and i had i had to like like say the word out loud for myself like i still Mm -hmm. i'm I'm not even gonna lie like there's some times i still because i don't I don't walk around going, hi, my name is Leith, I'm transgendered. Like, I, this is you, and be like, right. hi, I'm straight, and like, <laughs> whatever. Like, we just, you just don't, I, I just don't do that. And so, even, you know, I, since I had shared my story, that was such a vulnerable place for me to be, because I'm not trying to pull anything over anybody, I just mm-hmm. want to live my life. And so it's like, you know, I don't feel this way, and I don't consciously think to myself, I used to be female and now I'm male. I don't think of it like that all the time. Yeah. I literally am just living my life the way that I am. And um, and so it's hard sometimes even for me to say some of those things. And, you know, even speaking about it and putting it out there for people, because it does open you up to that poking. It does, you know, and eventually you get tough skin, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt from time to time. Yeah. It doesn't get under your skin and make you, you know you're dealing with all of that you know and again having kids that i we are a family a family of six so you know when i'm walking around or again and people like my kids you know they still have i had a hard time even how do i even enter you know what are my kids gonna call me because i know that i'm their mom but uh even that concept is very foreign to me Sure. I know that sounds it sounds crazy, but like I think okay, I know that I've had my three kids. That's a foreign concept. I know they're my stories. I know all of these things, mm. but even as I I talk about them, I'm like, 
I can't even believe that was me. I can't even believe it. And my daughter was <laughs> so stinking smart. Uh, and she was the first one to ask me all the right questions that made me go, I'm not even prepared for this. Yeah. You know, she's, you know, so does this mean that we don't have a mom? Does this mean, you know, and I was like, oh. and then you realize on some level what you're taking away from them and how difficult it's going to be. And my kids, so we've gone through these whole bouts because I'm like, I obviously, like, I don't even care what they call me, but I definitely want them to be comfortable Yeah. because Autumn had come to me one time and said, you know, I, sometimes I feel weird calling you mom in public because I get people look at me funny because obviously I don't yeah. look like that. So, or they double take me like, and so I said, well, what would you feel comfortable calling me? And, you know, and so we had gone through this whole thing about dad, you know, because I'm like, well, I'm not your dad and you have a dad and... And so at first she tried calling me Padre for a long time. And she was in the middle of this, though. We were in the middle of a long run or somewhere. And she was like, she's like, so, she's like, I don't think that this is working, the Padre. She goes, it's really hard to remember. And I was like, okay. I said, well, well what do you want to call me? She's like, well, honestly, like, I, she goes, it's way more comfortable calling you dad. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I said, well, you know, I just want you to feel comfortable whatever you call me. But of course, you know, that somewhat bothers uh, her dad. And I just tried to explain that, you know, and even we were talking with the counselor and, you know, she's like safety first always, you know, because it does, if as long as they feel safe and comfortable, that's one of the most important things, you know, and there are sometimes and kids are crass and can be just jerks. And so when she introduces me sometimes at school, it's like, you know, the, my girlfriend, they always think that she's her mom, their mom. Yeah. And um, and, she's, and my daughter will be like, no, actually, that's my mom. And, and you'll see the kids are always like, some of them will go, oh. And then some of them are like, it's like that knowledge. <laughs> you see, I'm starting to back I'm like, I don't know, you know, what's going on. But my kids are, uh, are so brilliant. I have to, like, I seriously have to brag. They are so brilliant and so wonderfully loving. I've learned at how hatred is taught. Because my kids, even though they have family who will go against it, and you know my oldest's dad obviously is putting it in my son's head that he wants nothing. You know, even if he does his hair like mine, you know, you look like your mine. Don't do that, and yeah. it makes him angry. So puts my son in a place. But they have really been loving and respectful, and sometimes they still, you know, we'll be in the store, and my youngest is the first to be like. Mom, and I, you know, and it's, so it's, I'm constantly in this place, and I just go, whatever, it is what it is. I don't really care, because I'm, I'm confident enough, and, you know, I've learned to be confident, mm-hmm. and it has always been so, you know, I've been in low places, I've, you know, I've been in, you know, I had suicidal thoughts at one point in my life, and, you know, I've, I've had a, I have had a gun to my head twice in my life. I've had a 20-gauge shotgun to my chin just before Steve had left. I actually fired it. Uh, I was so angry. One, because I had set it outside my bedroom door, and Steve brought it and laid it on the bed and said, you better hope you don't miss. And that put me in a place of feeling like I know where I stand with you kind of a thing. And I called my family life pastor and tried talking to him and he actually hung up the phone on me and I was sobbing and we had been doing marriage counseling at the time through the church and asked me if it could wait and said he was busy and didn't ping it up on me and it made me so mad that I, but it was like an epiphany too. It was like a, something went off in my head. It was like, no one's gonna save you. You need to like get up. And it was like, get up, This no one's gonna save you. And uh, so I went and I kicked my gun up and I shot it outside my bedroom window and I just waited and uh, you know, I was angry and I did that because I needed a release, but then I was like, oh, I actually fired the gun and wait, thought that Steve would, I was waiting because I was expecting him to come barrel in, and he didn't. And that really surprised me. Um, but then when he did, he came barreling in angry, and like, you know, what'd you do that for, cussing and swearing? And I was like, you had no idea what you were gonna walk into at all. But again, I know where I stand. And then when I went through my re- relationship, break up and I was transitioning and all this stuff was coming about uh, and I, it was just so many I had such a loss of family and I felt like I had nobody and um, just 
and you know, and she was leaving, and there was just so much that was falling apart in my life that, uh, and again, feeling like, you know, the why me, you know, all of these things, you feel like you can do things right in your life, and then they just, they just don't. But I've come out of that, so I've definitely come a long way, especially in the last five years, but that's yeah, good. it's been a ride. Glad you're here. Ride of a life, for <laughs> sure. But yeah. Yeah, glad you're here. Yeah. And thank you immensely for sharing. Yeah. This I, I appreciate the um I don't know if you're familiar, but recently a term has started to come up, uh, the word sonder. Okay. It's uh the the like urban dictionary definition because it's still kinda out there is when you realize that everybody else has a rich and full life just like you do mm -hmm. and you're a background player in their life just like they're a background player in yours right the the realization when you really like absorb that mm -hmm. and like look at somebody as you drive past them and realize okay they're in a car it's packed full of stuff they've had a crazy morning mm -hmm. you know they're they're moving somewhere or doing something and you kind of internalize you know, they're going through that, I'm going through this. Like, that concept kind of hit me in a way that made me want to do this. Okay. And figure out, you know, what the other person's, you know, experiences are. Mm -hmm. Yours has so much to it. And <laughs> I hope that, I very much hope that you continue to grow in who you are, be comfortable in who you are. From what I know, in the little bit of time we've been together, you seem like a wonderful person. I'm very glad that you were here, and I wish you nothing but the best. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You can follow and interact with the podcast on Twitter, at the IM Podcast. You can also email us at theimpod at gmail.com. If you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to take just a moment to give us a rating. It really helps. Thanks for listening. Thank you.